All right, where do we leave off last week? Oh, there's Laura, so Becca must be coming. So remember, last week we left off with Romans. Paul is writing to the Romans saying, I'm getting ready to come. Uh, I've got to finish a job first. I've got to take some money back to Jerusalem, and then I'm going to show up at Rome. This week we start with the oops what Paul ended up doing as opposed to what he really wanted to do. Uh, so, you ready? Yes. Go on, keep that. Sorry, I was a little late. We had a dog that decided to bark at 4.30, 6, and 7. <laughs> <laughs> so, that was how our night went. <laughs> um, so, yes, Ephesians. Um, the usual questions are what, is what we're going to ask today. Who wrote it? There's going to be a little bit of a caveat to whom was it written, uh, when, where, and why. Um, because unlike um, in the past when all the answers have been kind of like, duh, there is a little bit of like um, intrigue when it comes to Ephesians. So, who wrote it? Um, best guess is Paul. It says in Ephesians, hey, it's Paul. Um, but... If you um, look at the tone, it's very different from some of Paul's other writing. And we're going to compare that on the next slide. Um, another thing about Ephesians is this is the longest letter that Paul wrote. Um, so, in addition to the tone being very different, um, this is his longest and most dense theological writing. Um, however, scholars and people much smaller, smarter than me have compared specifically Colossians and Ephesians. Um, Colossians, we'll see, was written at the very same time as Ephesians, and there's a lot of overlap as far as theological statement, as far as syntax. Um, and so for that reason, um, people are pretty sure that Paul himself wrote it. So, to compare Ephesians to Romans, because we know Paul wrote Romans. Um, so all I did is I just the beginning of chapter 3. So this is chapter 3 for Ephesians and Romans 1 through 6. And I'll read that out loud because the um, font is a little small. So Ephesians reads like this. And Ephesians is the more formal, um, uh, elevated style. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus for the sake of you Gentiles, Surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you, that is, the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I have already written briefly. In reading this, then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the people in other generations as it, is, as it has now been revealed to us by, by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets." This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and shares together in the promise of Jesus Christ. So you compare that to Romans, and you'll see that Romans is a lot more, um, there are a lot more rhetorical questions. It's a lot more boom, 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 as opposed to like, that I therefore, boo, 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 boo. So here's Romans. What advantage, then, is there in being a Jew? Or what value is there in circumcision? Much in every way. First of all, the Jews have been entrusted with the very words of God. 
What if some were unfaithful? Will their unfaithfulness nullify God's faithfulness? Not at all. Let God be true and every human being a liar, as it is written, so that you may be proved right when you speak and prevail when you judge. But if our unrighteousness brings out God's righteousness more clearly, what shall we say? That God is unjust in bringing his wrath on us? I am using human argument. Certainly not. If that were so, how could God judge the world? So you see in Romans, he uses a lot of questions. He answers a lot of his questions with like, bah, no, <laughs> certainly not. And you don't have any of that in Ephesians. So scholars have looked at those syntax and been like, uh-uh, is that the same person? Um, however, like all of us, we're able to use different tones when approaching different audiences. And that's probably what Paul did here. So for that reason, uh, most people think Paul wrote Ephesians. So our uh, question of the day, to whom was it written? So if you were to just see the name Ephesians, who would you guess that Ephesians was written to? The church in Ephesus, yes. And that is one theory. That's the first theory that people are like, oh, okay, well, you know, Thessalonians was written to Thessalonica, Galatians was written to Galatia, Ephesians was written to Ephesus. Um, so that is a theory. However, when you look at the words themselves and then you compare what, he's, what Paul has written in some of his other books, we think that, I, I say we, scholars, again, people much smarter than me, um, because Paul spent so much time in Ephesus, we and like um, he wasn't like in the letter. He's not like hey so and so, hey so and so. Which, if he was writing a letter to Ephesus and judging how he's written some of his other letters, we're pretty sure he would have included those greetings. So the fact that he didn't include those greetings leads to people to believe, oh, it wasn't actually to the church in Ephesus. It was to the surrounding areas. So we know that Paul. That time's not right. No, not working. Um, I don't want to like go like an hour into like <laughs> a sermon and then y'all are like, okay. Um, so uh, Paul and people like Paul, so Apollos, Peter, um, when they wrote letters, it was understood that those letters were going to be circulars. So we see in Colossians 4.16, at one point he says, when you're done, uh, take this to uh, Lacedonia. Um, and have the church there read that. So it was understood that, like, when you're done reading a letter, you're going to circulate it to all the other house churches. Because who, um, who can give, like, a one-sentence summary about what churches were like in the first century? Besides Jeff. I know he can do it. Small. Small, yeah. So did they meet in buildings? No. No, they met in people's houses. So what were, like, the average size? Was it, like, 100 small? Or was it, like... Probably like 20 years. Yeah, under 20. So it was a very small community. In a single um, city, you could have a number of house churches. Um, so that is probably what Paul was doing. So he wasn't writing to Ephesus specifically. He was writing to the surrounding areas. So these would be, when he was in Ephesus, these are probably the people that his church have gone out and made disciples of themselves. And he's writing to all of them. 
Any questions about that? I'm going to grab my phone so I don't uh, box eloquent into uh, the next sermon. So um, these numbers are a little bit different than the last time I taught, and that's because if you remember, I said everything's plus or minus a few years, right? So to make the math work, I fudged it a little bit. Um, so up until now, we've been talking about Paul's second missionary journey, and I think last the last time you we've gotten into Paul's third missionary journey. Um, so. I have misspoken to you before. So, <laughs> Paul actually went to Ephesus twice. So the first time that we talked, when he started in um, Corinth and he popped over to Ephesus, he actually only hung out in Ephesus for like a few months. And that was when he was with um, Aquila and Priscilla. Um, so in his third missionary journey is when he spends about three years in Ephesus. Some scholars are like, it was two and a half years. Some scholars are like, it was three and a half years. So, like, it was a really long time. Again, we don't know for sure. So, um, that's why I put that Paul spent two times in Ephesus. So, when we write, when I uh, explained that he was in Ephesus when he wrote First and Second Corinthians, he was actually, it was during that three-year time. It wasn't when he just, like popped by in Ephesus in 52. Um, and I, whoopsies, had not mentioned that. I was just talking about the, the three years that he got in Ephesus. So I'll show you maps for those people that are visual people. Um, and keep this year in mind. We'll talk more about this in a second. But he um, wrote Ephesians in 6080. So, um, does anyone remember, well, there's the answer, um, but we know where Paul traveled because Luke wrote it in Acts. So um, in his second missionary journey, when Paul only spends a couple of months in Ephesus, um, uh, Luke writes about it in Acts 18. So Paul's second missionary journey um, ends in Acts 18, and then in Acts 19, begins Paul's third missionary journey. So, um, I will read to you Acts 18, and then FYI, I'm going to ask for volunteers to read Acts 19. So, anyone that feels so uh, inclined, last time it was Randall. Um, but, FYI, prepare thyselves for public speaking. Uh, Acts 18. They arrived at Ephesus, where Paul left Priscilla and Aquila. He himself went into the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. When they asked him to spend more time with them, he declined. But as he left, he promised, I will come back if it is God's will. Then he set sail from Ephesus. So this was the second missionary journey when he just spent a few months at Ephesus. And a short time later, roughly-ish, two years later, he comes back on his third missionary journey to Ephesus. All right. Because Acts 19 is literally 41 verses, I'm not going to ask one person to read all 41 verses. Do I have volunteers for Acts 19? Yeah. Uh, read until you don't want to anymore. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. I'll read until it breaks it up in my mind. <clears throat> While Apollos 
was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and asked them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, No. We have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked, Then what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. Paul said, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is, in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. There were about 12 men in all. Paul entered the synagogue and spoke boldly there for three months, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. But some of them became obstinate. They refused to believe and publicly maligned the way. So Paul left them. He took the disciples with him and had discussions daily in the lecture hall of Tyrannus. This went on for two years so that all the Jews and Greeks who lived in the province of Asia heard the word of the Lord. God did extraordinary miracles through Paul, so that even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched him were taken to the sick, and their illnesses were cured, and the evil spirits left them. Some Jews who went around driving out evil spirits tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon-possessed. They would say, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. Seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest, were doing this. One day, the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know, and I know about Paul, but who are you? Then the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them and overpowered them all. He gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. When this became known to the Jews and Greeks living in Ephesus, they were all seized with fear, and the name of the Lord Jesus was held in high honor. Many of those who believed now came and openly confessed their evil deeds. A number who had practiced sorcery brought their scrolls together and burned them publicly. When they calculated the value of the scrolls, the total came to 50,000 drachmas. In this way, the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. After all this had happened, Paul decided to go to Jerusalem, passing through Macedonia and Achaia. After I have been there, he said, I must visit Rome also. He sent two of his helpers, Timothy and Erastus, to Macedonia while he stayed in the province of Asia a little longer. Perfect, and that was through... That was through 22. 22, all right. Do we have any volunteers for 23 through 41-ish? It's the end of the chapter. Yeah. Okay. About that time, there arose a great disturbance about the way. A silversmith named Demetrius, who made silver shrines of Artemis, brought in a lot of business for the craftsmen there. He called them together along with the workers in related trades and said, You know, my friends, that we receive a good income from this business, and you see and hear how this fellow Paul has convinced and led astray large numbers of people here in Ephesus and in practically the whole province of Asia. He says that gods made by human hands are no gods at all. There is danger not only to our, that our trade will lose its good name, but also that the temple of the great goddess Artemis will be discredited, and the goddess herself, who is worshipped throughout the province of Asia and the world, will be robbed of her divine majesty. 
When they heard this, they were furious and began shouting, Great is Artemis of Ephesians! And soon the whole city was in an uproar. The people seized Gaius and Articus, Paul's traveling companions from Macedonia, and all of them rushed into the theater together. Paul wanted to appear before the crowd, but the disciples would not let him. Even some of the officials of the province, friends of Paul, sent him a message begging him not to venture into the theater. The assembly was in such confusion. Some were shouting one thing, some another. Most of the people did not even know why they were there. The Jews in the crowd pushed Alexander to the front, and they shouted instructions to him. He motions for, for silence in order to make a defense before the people. But when they realized he was a Jew, they all shouted in unison for about two hours, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. The city clerk quieted the crowd and said, Fellow Ephesians, doesn't all the world know that the city of Ephesus is the guardian of the temple of the great Artemis and of her image which fell from heaven? Therefore, since these facts are undeniable, you ought to calm down and not do anything rash. You have brought these men here, though they have neither robbed temples nor blasphemed our goddess. If then Demetrius and his fellow craftsmen have a grievance against anybody, their courts are open and there are proconsuls. They can press charges. If there is anything further you want to bring up, it must be settled in a legal assembly. As it is, we are in danger of being charged with rioting because of what happened today. In that case, we would not be able to account for this commotion since there is no reason for it. After he said this, he dismissed the assembly. Okay, so... Uh, if we had to boil everything down to one word, what were the Ephesians upset about? Money. Money, yeah. So it wasn't until Paul was so successful in converting so many people that it was starting to affect the bottom line of the tradespeople that they were upset with what he was doing. So, um, uh... I have, if Randall gets to show you pictures of Israel, I have been to Ephesus, so I will show you pictures of Ephesus. <laughs> um, so, uh, one of the pictures we took was actually of the theater, so like where the rioting was happening and where Paul was speaking to the people. Um, you'll see a very bad 2009 digital image of that theater and young college Becca. Okay, so this is the second missionary journey. Um, so, uh, this is what we've been spending a lot of time on so far. Jerusalem's down here, beep, 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 He popped over the sea, and so every time it talks about he goes on the inland, here he goes in the inward path, um, that just means that he took, um, he took land, because you can, as you can see, take sea. Um, however, in the winter months, it's not, like, super safe, so... Um, this is when he spent about a couple months in Ephesus in, um, circa 80, 82, or 52. Um, this isn't when he hung out for, like, three-ish years. He just spent a couple of months there. 
<laughs> okay, so here is the third missionary journey. Um, if you read the very end of Acts chapter 18, it talks about how Paul was in Antioch for a while because he also planted a church here and he hung out in Antioch for a while. And then he was like, ah, yes, I shall go back to my baby. So it says that he took the inward land. That just means he took the land, he took the land. And um, the majority of his third uh, missionary journey, he was in Ephesus. So you can see that this mirrors the second missionary journey in a lot of ways, as far as like the breadth of how far he went out, the cities that he hit. So usually what happened is he planted a church in the second missionary journey, and in the third missionary journey, he went to like see how they're doing and encourage them and like go say hi to his friends. Jeff, anything you want to add about that? No, he, he spends most of his time in the big cities. Okay. Ephesus, Corinth. Yeah, and so we are about to talk about ancient Ephesus. Thank you for that uh, segue. So, it was the second largest city of the Roman Empire. Who can guess what the largest city was? Rome, yes. So, there were about 100 AD, which was a little after the time we're talking about, there were about a quarter million people, which is pretty, pretty big. Um, so, as was mentioned in Acts chapter 19, temple to, the uh, temple to Artemis was the biggest part of Ephesus. Um, when we're talking about Greco-Roman societies, were they monotheistic or polytheistic? Poly. So there were temples to pretty much every god you can think of in Ephesians uh, because it was a port city here. You had a lot of trade. It was a very cosmopolitan city. Um, I just showed you how big it was. There were a lot of people. So a lot of people, a lot of gods, a lot of religions. Um, in the same way that Corinth was very intellectual, Ephesians was like a, a melting pot. So, um, uh, Artemis was the biggest temple. It was considered one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. Um, I can't tell you what all the... I know the Hanging Gardens of Babylon is one of them. Who can, who can name some other ancient wonders? The Colossus at Rhodes. Yes, the Colossus at Rhodes. The Lighthouse of Alexandria. Okay. Um, you know, whatever. Um, it no longer stands, so um, we know that it was wondrous, but we um, just have allusions to it in writing. You can't actually see it. Um, but, uh, so Artemis was this goddess's Greek name. What is her uh, Roman name? Diana. Diana. What was she the goddess of? <coughs> Uh, yeah, so like that sort of like war protecting wisdom is one of the things, you know, that's all of that sort of um, idea. So that is one of the reasons why it was like, don't make Artemis unhappy because she protects our city, right? Um, so were they actually concerned with Artemis? They were concerned with their pockets. Um, however, um, one of the reasons why Christian God, Jewish God, was called the invisible God just because you couldn't buy like a little statue of him, right? Unlike all the other gods that you went and you gave sacrifice at their temple. Um, so, 
and that was what the um, the tradespeople were upset about because they were selling all the little like tchotchkes to people, um, and that was what so many people were converting to Christianity. They were like, "We're not going to buy that stuff anymore," and um, and that's what they were upset about. So um, culturally, uh, you had a lot of people that were used to. Um, I am going to um, give my sacrifice to all these deities and hope that it's enough, but you never really know for sure. And so, like, they willy-nilly could just decide to, like, ignore my sacrifice and go against what I'm asking for anyway. So there was a lot of, um, you never know, right? Um, and so that was sort of the... Um, culture in which Paul was operating. So even though people had left that lifestyle, that uh, mental concept of like, you never really know, we serve wishy-washy gods that can do whatever they want, that sort of lifestyle and that sort of mentality was brought to them within Christianity. And so a lot of what you read about in Ephesians um, is Paul talking about that mentality. And now, I shall show you pictures of ancient Ephesus. Who knows uh, what country Ephesus is in today? Modern day country? Turkey. Turkey, Turkey yes. Um, so, we, our family was able to go in 2009, which was 12 years ago. As you will see, these pictures are quite old. Um, but, um, this was the Great Library at Ephesus. So Ephesus has only been 12% um, excavated. 88% of it is still like, I don't know, under dirt? I don't know, what do you want? Under 30 feet of dirt. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, while there isn't the Temple to Artemis, there is the front of the Great Library left. So, um, there's my family. I was taking the picture, so I'm not in there. Don't worry, you will see me later. Um, and then I can show you. So this is kind of like uh, the great, like the main thoroughfare right here, and you can see that this is the library at the bottom of this main thoroughfare. Um, again, only 12% has been excavated. Um, so the temple to or not the temple, the theater where the rioting was happening and where Paul was um, talking was over here, if I remember correctly. Fun fact about Ephesus, they created the Ionic Col Column. You probably haven't studied the different types of columns since like you were forced to in like sixth grade social studies. <laughs> but here we have circa 2009 Jeff with yeah, an Ionic Column. <laughs> And then here is the theater itself, in me. So when you hear the writing, two hours, they said, great is Artemis of the Ephesians, all of that was happening right here. And this is where um, Paul was speaking to everyone. Um, I believe this seats 12,000. Um, so it was a, a riot, but uh, presumably they were, were with it enough to 
seven seats. I don't know. I don't know how riding, I mean, I know how riding works, but I don't know how this specific riot worked. Um, and then, um, this is also, spoiler alert, where John wrote Revelation. This is where John hung out for a number of, number of years. So you can sort of see, um, like, off in the distance, like, oh, there's John's house. So opposite of this, I didn't include it because we're not talking about John, we're talking about Paul. Um, but you can see what they believe was John's house, which is pretty fun. Um, most of the 12% they've excavated looks like this, where you're just kind of like, oh, look, cool. But this is actually pretty exciting. You weren't able to go in it, but you're taking a fun picture. Oh, we got to go in it, and I, oh, did you really? I stood in there and we'll shouted for about steps. 20 seconds, great is Diana the official. We were three years after you. I was awesome. That's awesome. This coat comes from just outside of us. <laughs> Has anyone else been to Ephesus? <laughs> yeah. Joe on cruises as well? Pretty neat. Yeah. So we spent like an hour there. <laughs> Um, okay, so where was Ephesus written? Short answer, uh, when Paul was in prison, we think, we believe. So um, if you get, if you read through Acts about Acts chapter 23, um, there was grumbling and this was prophesied to Paul so he knew it was going to happen. So he had been said goodbye to everybody, and um, you know it does suck because, again, they weren't really upset with him; they were upset with their pockets. Mm -hmm. um, so there is rumbling in Jerusalem, um, and this is where Paul says, "Hey, I'm a Roman citizen. You got to take me to Rome." So they take him to Rome. There's a shipwreck. He's on house arrest for two years. It's a whole thing. But he is finally in Rome. And so when we say prison apostles, it's not like he's in like a dank stone room writing these. Like uh, probably he was under house arrest and it was like pretty swanky as far as arrest go. I mean like was he free to go where he wanted? Was he, he was still under house arrest. But um, it's not like he was being horribly mistreated. Um, so he wrote four letters during that time. And this is roughly about 60 AD. Um, so this is after his three missions have happened. And his third mission, he ends up in Jerusalem. And uh, then people are like, ooh, he, uh, he's, he's caused lots of unrest. And he's like, well, you got to take me to Rome. I'm a Roman citizen. Did he also want to go to Rome? Brothels dies? Yes, he did. So he just got a free trip to Rome. Um, so a question mark in there is okay, well, spoiler alert. Um, I say spoiler alert, it's an axe. Um, he is tried, and is he found guilty or not this first time that he's tried? Not. He is found innocent of, so the charges are dropped. Um, so the question mark is, Paul said he wanted to go to Spain. It's unclear if he actually did get to go to Spain or not. Um, he wanted to go to Spain sort of as his fourth missionary journey. Um, what we would call his fourth missionary journey. He wasn't like, I want to go on my fourth journey. 
Uh, so you have that. It's unclear if it actually happened. But no matter what happened, he ends up back in Rome. And that's where he's arrested, he's tried again, and he is found guilty, and he is... He's definitely, I mean, he's definitely killed. But, like, um, do they crucify him? They'll chop his head off. Oh, they chop his head off. Good. <laughs> they don't crucify Romans. Oh. Peter's crucified because he's not a Roman citizen. Paul's a Roman citizen. Is Peter the one that they crucified upside down? Theoretically, yes. Theoretically. According yeah, they, to... The Roman citizens, they would chop their heads off, so they didn't suffer. So Plus. Paul got his head chopped off. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, that's, um, when you look at all of the apostles and the leadership disciples from the first century, they pretty much exclusively all, um, all are killed. John is the exception? Does he get to just die? Or is he killed? I don't know. There's, like, one person. But, like, golly, you feel so bad for him. Everyone he knew got killed. Anyway, so... Four prison epistles. So we've already talked about Colossians. The reason that we believe Ephesians was written by Col or by Paul was because it has so much, so many similarities with Colossians. And the reason why we compare it to Colossians is because they were written at the same time. So we're able to compare theology. We're able to compare uh, sentence structure. We're able to compare things like that. Um, he also wrote Philippians and Philemon. So pretty much everywhere where he wrote uh, or he planted churches, he was like, hey, guys, just coming to say, hey, I'm in house arrest for two years, so I don't have anything else to do. Um, and um, definitely with Colossians, maybe with the other ones, they were written as circulars, right? Because he pretty much knew that all of his letters were going to be um, circulated, whether or not they were written to a specific church for a specific reason. However, with Ephesus, he was very aware that it's going to be circulated. Um, so, as previously mentioned, um, the uh, zeitgeist in which Paul was writing was, you have Christianity versus this like, black magic, you never quite know mentality. So that is what he is speaking to a lot in Ephesians. And unlike Thessalonians, unlike Corinthians, there wasn't a problem with the church that he was specifically addressing uh, with Ephesians. Um, so who, who can name some other like specific issues that Paul has spoken to in these last couple of books? Of women's. women's roles, right. Can you eat meat that is sacrificed to idols? We talked about that. Does the resurrection actually matter? He talked to that. I've talked about that. Uh, waiting versus living your life. Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. Mm -hmm. Promiscuity. That's another big thing that he talked about. Worship. Worship. Yeah, styles so of worship. So um, these are all specific issues that he knew were happening with some of his house churches that he had left. So some of his other uh, letters, which are now books of the Bible, talk about specific issues. But you don't have any of that with Ephesians. It's just sort of the general 
uh, story of Christianity. So, um, I spent a long time talking about the background of Ephesians. When it comes to the substance of Ephesians, or the substance of any books, I feel really bad talking about the substance because I cannot do any better than the Bible Project, and so that's why I and I think Jeff keep making you watch these, like the recap, like drawing videos, mm -hmm. because like I can't do any better than that. So why am I trying to reinvent the wheel? Um, this one's like eight and a half minutes. Shoot. Okay. Okay. We'll watch it. Any questions while things are loading? Mm -hmm. I'll also take um, compliments as to how great my teaching is. <laughs> you know, I was just thinking when I was looking at that amphitheater that you, people must have had great speaking voices back then to project. Because we, we get in a sanctuary with a thousand people, we have to have microphones. Right. Just think about how how hard that was to hear what they were speaking. For sure. And part of it is um, it, sound engineering. They were really smart with the way things are right. shaped. Mm -hmm. um, natural amplification. But I, I do think part of it is just practice. We right. were used to relying on um So um, there was a study done about memory, like before paper was readily available. Like how, how much could people um, remember? And the answer was like way more than we can because they had to rely they like exercise those muscles so in the same way I'm sure it's the same with your speaking voice um I'll just recap Ephesians so Ephesians is six chapters uh, the first three chapters are all about like and this is pretty typical for Paul it's all like the theology, and then four through six, the last part is like, okay, let's apply that theology. So he talks about Gentiles, he talks about Jews, and how originally, like, um, Jews were to be kept separate, but God, uh, Jesus is a fulfillment of the law, and so, like, Gentiles are invited to be part of the family of Christ. Um, anyone else? Uh, so um, the idea of like the breastplate of righteousness, the <laughs> sword of truth. There you go. <laughs> Does anyone else remember? This is awful that I'm like teaching on Ephesians and I can't tell you what. I, I thought the video was going to do it. Oneness. Yes, yes. Um, so um, all of all of this is application. So if if Jesus is the fulfillment of the law, what does that look like? And specifically, Paul talks about what it looks like for the body, the church. Not so much individual, but what it looks like as our community. So, we're one spirit, one mind, one heart. Um, it's the same concept of, like, uh, we're all the body of Christ. So, like, you know... The hand doesn't envy the eye, and vice versa. We're we're all have different roles to play, but we're all part of one body. Yeah. So, um, should I go back to the pictures of Ephesus? <laughs> <laughs> you all can 
uh, in the Vatican they have a uh, statue that they recovered. It's a carving of Artemis. Okay. The Ephesians is kind of interesting. It's a uh, it's a bare-breasted woman, but she's got like twelve breasts on her chest. So I don't know the guy, first guy who ever decided what she ought to look like. I guess was a little bit weird. But, yeah, uh, that's a bold sorry, choice. What she looked like. Okay. Well, if you ever wanted to know what Artemis looks like, a woman. She's with... right there in the back. Yeah. Well, yeah. There you go. Well, so yeah. she dropped from heaven. Oh, oh yeah, yeah that's that right. She dropped. I don't know if this is the one that dropped out of heaven. Right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. I suspect not. Yeah. Yeah. One thing that came to mind when you were talking about uh, worshiping God and others, hedging your bets, essentially, is uh, Alexander reportedly did that um, later in his life. That he was a you know big Christ follower, obviously, but. Uh, he still hedged his bets with, you know, the sun god, etc. Right. Just curiosity. No, nothing really, you know. That's a good thing to, you know. Uh, they're clearly not once saved, always saved people. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Yeah. Well, just the, your reference to how everybody ended up through, you know, those first 60 years head chopped off, whatever, right. just the sacrifice that, you know, ultimate sacrifice they were making to spread the spread the word is pretty convicting. Yeah, for sure. It's been easy to, to run away from what they knew about Jesus, but they didn't. And it's crazy to think that even though it was so unsafe to speak the message and share the message, the church was growing even in that hostile environment. So it's it's very convicting that... It's safe for us to worship, but is the church growing at the rate that it was growing in that unsafe environment? Mm -hmm. And one thing as well, both the Jews and the Gentiles, obviously in the temple culture, uh, when they chose God over that, they gave away their livelihoods generally, um, and they had to to start new, maybe, maybe even move or whatever. Right. Uh, but they're putting their lives in danger every day, too. So it was, it was not a small commitment. Yeah, for sure. Um, some other pictures from Ephesus that didn't quite make the cut. There was a smaller amphitheater for only rich people that I didn't include. Um, there was a communal toilet. Didn't include those pictures. Um, like a bunch of people just, they were literally just, it was a stone, and there was holes in the stone, and you just shot the breeze. The water was friends. always running through it. That's right. And That's true. They had a lot of, I remember, underground pipes that they had dug up. They were sewer pipes, and they ran right out to the uh, the bay there that, that used to be there, but now is 10 miles west mm-hmm. of there. Yeah. Yeah. Romans are nothing if not great civil engineers. Mm-hmm. So at least it didn't smell like you know what while you were. Mm-hmm you-know-wedding with your friends. (laughs) Uh, There were a lot of murals that I was like, I'm not going to include that picture, but... Does anybody remember that they have seen the school (coughs) that Paul taught at? Because there's a... uh, There is a synagogue that's like everything else in ancient... high. The the higher up out you are, the richer you were. As you got down towards the sea, the poorer you were. Because we all know what runs downhill. Mm-hmm. Interesting thing, on the steps of the rebuilt library there, somebody had carved, I don't know if you saw it, a menorah. 
in that some oh. Jewish person had a couple thousand years ago carved a menorah in it. A step. Graffiti took a little more time. It's about, uh, about that big. In yeah. ancient times. <laughs> Couldn't tag it with a spray paint. All right, any concluding thoughts? Anything that's just really convicting y'all? Really want to say it before we peace out? Man, the one thing Paul like talks early on, he talks about we're adopted children of... Mm-hmm. And that, that gets back to what we talked about the very first week is we view adoption different than the way they did in the first century. We adopt children to save children. That's not what they did in the first century. You adopted your heir. Because remember, all the Caesars adopt their heir. They're not their children. And so when Paul says we're adopted children of God, what he means is we are the heir of God, which means we're going to inherit everything that God has, which to the Ephesians, who were by and large slaves and second-class citizens, that's an enormous thing, that we go from being a slave to I am the child, especially in Ephesus, which has 60 or 70 temples to God's. I am the inheritor of the God, not a God, the God. And so that's really Paul's, that's how he opens up Ephesians, is that you're all adopted in. Yeah, you're not Jews, but you're Gentiles, but you're adopted in as children of God, the inheritor of God. Well, even though the video did not work, I highly recommend you all. It's just on YouTube, and you just type in Bible Project Ephesians, and it shows up. And, like, you don't even have, you can just type in Ephesians and, like, be like, oh, look, there's the video with the drawing. Um, highly recommend. It's a really great recap, as all of their videos are. So, thank you for coming. Um, next week is Colossians. Right, because they're still in jail. They're still in jail. Okay. Have a good week. Thank you. Alan, did you do it in the green?